Ladies and gentlemen, absolute jack of all trades on the podcast today. NFL savant, medical student, best whistler I know. Brian Heyman, welcome and thank you for being here. I'm happy to be here, Alex. It is always a pleasure getting to spend some time with you. And I know we've been talking about this for a while, and I'm happy to share whatever whatever knowledge I got about this stuff. <laughs> Just so for, for the viewers, the reason that we are here today is because of Brian, because a long time ago, years and years in the past, well, like two or three years in the past. I made it sound like it was like in a different century. But <laughs> Brian and I used to argue about uh, feels like temperature, which you will often see on the weather report. You know, the wind chill, like the, what the – long story short, Brian's whole point, and to, to correct me if I'm wrong, is that the feels like temperature is the is should just be the temperature. And this it, – it sparked fierce debate to the point where we decided we needed to create a podcast solely off that argument. And we're here today and we're making it happen. Oh yeah, it's that that argument probably spurned about two hours of that day's worth of of bickering. Yeah. Uh, the day that we are studying for the organic chemistry exam, oh, and we're trying to get anything to get our minds off of that. And yep. yeah, so if it feels like temperature. It is a representation of the wind chill and all of the other factors that combine to make the temperature that you feel. So I believe that that should be represented as the actual temperature. Just to sum up my argument. I don't even remember what I said other than just that's bogus, but you know what? I mean, it's probably bogus. You're probably right. It probably is. But like, who, like what, what temperature do we really care about? It's the one, like, who cares about what we don't feel like? I want to know, like, how, how cold is it actually right now? You know, Alex, you've, you've grown a lot. You've grown a lot. I've matured. (laughs) I've matured. And I mean, you know, what's funny is I feel like we would talk about it and then we wouldn't. And then like that debate would come up like once a semester, like out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Probably when it gets cold and stuff, you know, because we're in Michigan and all that. But yeah, someone like random would bring it up and we'd have to go over the entire thing with them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice way to kill two hours, but of course, of course. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's an honor and a privilege to have you here today. And obviously just a foundational piece of the pot. But um, <laughs> one of the biggest things I wanted to ask you about is uh, is the Giants, the New York Giants. They're back, baby. One yes, sir. In the NFL this year, they beat. They won a playoff game. The the, the boat curse is over, right? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And again, it's like against all the Vikings are frauds, but they're still thirteen and four. They still won a lot of close games. They still have a lot of good players. So, you know, I just I ask you is this because as someone who's been a fan of the Giants for a long time, and you've been dealing with the whole Daniel Jones era, who I think in the past I like to always consider him like a a high risk, low reward kind of guy in the past. And this year was not the case. So I, I mean, just, I, I looked up some giant stats. We're talking top 10 in yards per attempt, top 10 in passing yards, top 10 in passing touchdowns, fewest picks in the NFL. And they have a top five rushing ta- attack by a resurgent Saquon. Listen, I don't know who thought the giants were going to make a deep postseason run. I know I didn't obviously the super bowl didn't happen, but the arrow was pointing up. How are you feeling? I have not felt this good since that late night in February, Eli Manning walking off the field after beating Tom Brady for the second time in the Super Bowl in 2012. I have not felt this good. I was 12 at the time, Alex. I am 23 years old. And there are four words that have brought this magic to the Giants franchise. Brian Dable, Joe Shane. 
Yeah. The combination of the two of them has just completely shifted Giants culture and the fans feel it. The building feels it. The energy is crazy. It is there. And let me tell you, Alex, I've not felt better about this team in a very long time. Man, dude, it is, that is so good to hear. And tr- by the way, I, that's one of the few Super Bowls where I actually like remember where I where I was, how I was feeling after, because that was such. I was I, I'm not even a huge Giants guy, but I, I wanted the Giants in that game. And listen, I want to ask you definitely a lot about Dayball, but for Joe Shane, because I don't really like you know these are guys who came in this year, not much of an offseason to work with. What what are some key moves that he made going into this year that made this roster that didn't seem like they had a ton of talent win a lot of games? So what Joe Shane was able to do was to dig us out of the financial cap hell that Dave Gettleman had placed us in. I mean, obviously, Dave Gettleman had the notable signings of Kenny Galladay, um, which was, as we all know, as we all see, was probably one of the worst signings in the late 2010s, 2020s. Um, Then Leonard Williams getting that exorbitant deal to make space for Kenny Galladay. um, That has proven to be a little bit effective on our cap now. And Joe Shane was able to get players that produce just as much as those players for minimal price players like Isaiah Hodgins, who was placed on the waivers. He was waived by the bills earlier this season, ended up being one of the giants leading receivers by the end of the season, scored four touchdowns in the final, like four games, something like that. And then players like Jihad Ward, who um, apparently was tied to Wink Martindale, our defensive coordinator and has been following him around. And he has been amazing for the defense, just changing the culture, changing the tenacity, just, these random like small filler players Fabian Moreau who held up the CB2 spot for the majority of the of the year um they've just been making these great contributions and they've been taking minimal cap and we've been able to kind of right the financial boat so to speak I mean we're the second highest team in cap space going into the next season just behind the Bears and the Bears we know the state of the Bears right now sure so I mean it's just been it's been amazing what we've been able to put on the field and the, the communication between him and Brian Dable, them both coming from Buffalo, coming from the same offensive, defensive philosophies, um, they've been able to construct a team that is really coherent. Um, it's just been it's been amazing to see how well the players that Joe Shane gets fit into the, the Brian Dable system and the Mike Kafka, Wink Martindale system. It's been amazing. Yeah, and no, I'm excited to see what he could do when he has cap space next year. That's that or I should say this offseason, but totally. Um, I just because you you brought up Kenny Galladay and I really wanted to ask <laughs> you about this because oh, I, I actually I did some did some uh, some number crunching here. So twenty six games in two years, averages less than two catches a game and just a yep. smidge over twenty three receiving yards per game. So our friend Kenny taking about thirty six million dollars from the Giants last two years. If you divide thirty six million by his forty three total receptions, he's averaging about eight hundred thirty seven thousand dollars a catch, right? Mm-hmm. Let's make a player comp. Christian Kirk makes almost the exact same money. He had 95 more receptions and a, a 1,000 more yards. <laughs> mm-hmm. And everyone said the Christian Kirk signing was uh, was like a big overpay this yeah. offseason. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, man. <clears throat> I mean, it's just been seeing like it's kind of worth it that we paid that much money because it really sent us to the bottom of the league and got Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge fired. And then we were able to get this rebuild and get Brian Dable, which is awesome. But I mean, like, it's obvious how horrible Kenny Galladay has been. He has not lived up to the to the expectations of being a number one wide receiver. And I mean, he fits so well in the Lions system with Stafford, who is a throw it down the field kind of guy, give him those 50-50 jump balls. But Daniel Jones is not that kind of quarterback. He's a kind of slice and dice, 
pick you apart kind of guy that really depends on the system. So it's, it was pretty obvious that that was Dave Gettleman trying to save his career and did not work out. Yeah, make a splashy play. I, I mean, and like in fairness to Kenny Alday, I think he's dealt with some injuries, but regardless, like he just it hasn't fit. So yeah, and he's been a good sport about it. He's been excited about making it to the playoffs. He's been pretty good in interviews and stuff. So I'm not gonna hate on the guy too much, but uh, it's more of hatred towards the previous regime and and right. favoring the the new one and how they're gonna write the boat. Yeah, no, I hear you. And I mean, listen, this new regime, as you touched on. Touchdown with George Shane, guy's a baller. I know you brought up Brian Dable, and I think his name is folding around. And all the, I don't think is he on the short list for Coach of the Year for the like the top top three candidates. Yeah, he's the he's the odds on betting favorite right now. The okay, well, I was gonna say because I people are talking about you know did he is he the reason for Josh Allen's ascension and his is his departure the reason for Josh Allen's regression because he misses Dable right now and obviously Dable arrives all of a sudden Daniel Jones is good so he has this crazy effect on quarterback. What do you think he did specifically with Daniel Jones? And then also just this kind of, I mean, sure, sure Joe Shane made some moves, but it's still not an amazing roster. How did he turn this thing around and fix the, the, the Dave Gettleman mess? I mean, Brian Dable has just the most experience working with like the best coaches in, in football, in NFL college football. He was an assistant on the Patriots, worked with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, was an assistant on Alabama, uh, made Tua Tagovailoa the uh, Gave, like the uh, championship winner. Um, then he came to the Bills, turned this seventh round, seventh uh, overall pick, Josh Allen, into probably the, one of the best quarterbacks in the league behind Patrick Mahomes. Um, and then it's just, I, I don't know what he's able to do with the quarterbacks themselves or just able to set up a system that plays to their strengths because Daniel Jones and Josh Allen are very different quarterbacks. I mean, Josh Allen has the strong arm, kind of similar to the Matt Stafford build, but a little bit more a little bit more mobile, well, a lot more mobile. Um, <laughs> and then um, Daniel Jones is more of that dual threat guy. Um, so I, I really think that Brian Dable has an understanding for the game and understanding of players and maximizing their play styles. And not to mention Mike Kafkar, offensive coordinator, he was with Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs. He was the quarterback's coach. And so we, we see how amazing Patrick Mahomes is now. So I just think these guys with experience, being around these super high talents and super great players really figure out how to utilize them on the field better. And Brian Dable has shown that he's one of the best coaches in the league at doing that. I mean, the Giants roster was horrible going into this season and we made the playoffs. It's funny. I, I didn't realize his, he had that great of a track. It seems like everywhere he goes, he, everything he touches turns to gold for the table. So it's like maybe, maybe the Giants are next on the list, but um you mentioned Kafka and Wink Martindale with offensive and defensive coordinators are they what what do you what do you think about that are they sticking around or are they taking head coaching jobs well I mean I think Mike Kafka being that he was one year removed from being a quarterback's coach I think he probably wants a little bit more experience as an offensive coordinator and being in a higher leadership position before he takes on the highest leadership position in all of football in all sports really so I think that he he's getting a ton of looks and so is Wink um I think they're really gonna I, I don't think they're going to be the final choices. I mean, we see people with total coaching experiences like Frank Reich getting signed today um, sure. by the Carolina Panthers. So I think they're, they're going to make it far. I mean, Kafka is one of the finalists for the Texans job, which I'm, I think is going to go to D'Amico Ryan's the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Yeah. Um, but I think it would suit him a lot to stay for at least another year as OC. And then Wink Martindale, he said in interviews that the giants have been a destination for him, not a stop. And 
he's gotten like looks for head coaching before. And I, I feel like his personality more suits him as like a top end of the league defensive coordinator, which the Giants are going to have to pay him like that. They're going to have to prevent sure. him from becoming a head coach by paying him probably top coordinator money in the league. But we'll see. I mean, I think they're going to be back for at least one, two more years. That'll be nice to have that continuity for sure. Mm-hmm. So you brought up the, cause I'm just thinking about the head coaching carousel because you're right. Frank Reich signed with the Panthers today. You know, I mean, like does Steve Wilkes stay on that staff after being kind of like shunned after doing such a great job, I'd probably try my hand at taking one of those jobs. I agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Miko Ryan's with the Texans would be great. So what is there like four other slots that are still open? And I'm sure Sean Payton's going to take one of them. Yeah. So um, I believe the Colts are still available. Oh no. Did the Colts sign someone? I don't think I mean, it's just, it's just Jeff Saturday right now. Yeah, exactly. And then the Denver. Cardinals. Oh yeah. Cardinals. Um, yeah. The Cardinals, the Broncos, uh, the chargers for some reason are sticking with Staley, which yeah. beyond me, but probably, I mean, I, I heard something They're Like, I guess they have a history of being cheap and Peyton's going to be a huge salary guy and you're gonna have to give up draft capital forms and it's like if you can't get Peyton I don't know if it's worth you know so I don't know what they're gonna do that would just be sad you move out to LA you want to spend you should be able to spend that money but I mean yeah but uh I mean there's like there's plenty of candidates this this year too like the two Eagles coordinators Steichen and Gannon they're really Mm -hmm. good and they're probably one of them at least is gonna get a job um but these guys aren't even available yet for because they're preparing for the NFC championship and the AFC championship. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm thinking about like, if I'm Sean Payton, we're, like, is there a perfect job available right now? Like, I wish I sit out another year. I don't know. You see, it would have been the Chargers. Like, Justin oh. Herbert is a head coach's dream, a new head coach's dream. Yeah. I mean, the Broncos, like, if he's able to resurrect Russell Wilson, like, that's a good sure. spot for him. Um, but, I mean, I don't know if he is resurrectable at this point. I mean, if anyone could do it, it'd be Sean Payton. But I, I can't believe he's that bad that fast. Like I, I know, like oh, if you look at the numbers, like he got the Max Kellerman Cliff thing. Like you know, he's been telling yeah. off. But like I, I'm like he had a couple nice games, and I'm I'm so sick of hearing Jerry Judy and uh, Sutton great receiving. Like if they're that good, why has not no quarterback ever had any success with them? No disrespect to them, but like I don't know. Maybe they overrated the supporting cast a little bit for him. Definitely. I mean, and partially, I mean, the offensive line was in shambles this season. They were injured. They were playing under their salary performance. I mean, Garrett Bowles was out for the majority of the season, if not the entire season. Um, And he's one of the best left tackles in the league or a top 15 left tackle in the league. But, I mean, Russell Wilson had all these expectations going in and they did the worst thing they could possibly do, pair him with a rookie head coach that didn't even run his own offense in Green Bay. Um, he ran the Lafleur and Rogers offense. Rogers was the play caller on the field, right. obviously. And then, I mean, look at the Jets now. They just signed him as their offensive coordinator. Yeah. So that they better be getting Rogers if that's the case. If not, they're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> he must love that. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, apparently, I remember I saw something where um, it was a damn packet. He he held on to the locker room for a long time that season, despite all the struggles. So maybe he's just got a good persona that Rogers likes. So I, maybe it's not his play calling or the fact yeah. that he doesn't even call plays, but yeah, I mean, I've seen him in interviews. He's like a really joking around, like happy guy. So yeah. he seems like a good personality for like a coordinator, but um, obviously didn't have the football experience to coordinate that kind of offense last year or this past year. 
Sometimes when you let 40 seconds take off one too many times. Just, you know. Oh, man. Yeah, it was hard to watch. It was hard to watch. <laughs> only other thing I'll say is, I know you mentioned Herbert, because like Herbert Herbert is like one of my favorite players in the league. I love watching him play. Mm-hmm. I, so there's so many stats, because I, I think the reason that they, so they fired Joel Lombardi, whose only other stint as no C was with the Lions, where he, he wasn't all that great then either. I think he was kind of like pigeonholing him. Like the, every play was either – Every first, second down is always a run play. And so many screens, and it's just like, you got to let that guy sling it, man. So I hope the new regime does that. That's the only reason I think Staley kept his job is that, I mean, like, yes, they let up all those points in the second half. They scored three points in the second half against Jackson. Yep. Like, <laughs> that's as much on Herbert and the offense as it is on the defense. Totally. And I think an underrated aspect last year, I mean, their receiving core, they were – uh, Keenan Allen was out for the majority of the season, but when he plays now, he looks slow. He isn't able to get the same separation that he was able to as one of the best route runners in the league the past decade. Um, yeah. Mike Williams, as good of a jump ball guy as he is, he's an injury concern as well. He's also not the fastest. Uh, their re- leading receiver was like their tight end, Gerald Everett, this season. And I mean, Eckler is a great, uh, I mean, their leading receiver outside of Mike Williams, but Eckler is a great receiving threat. Um, but I feel like they need to just inject that offense with some speed, some downfield things that Joe Lombardi wasn't able to get them to do. Like they need, I think, to add at least another wide receiver or a faster tight end into that offense because Keenan Allen's only going down. Mike Williams, who knows if he could stay for an entire season. He's Yeah, I agree. With you. Mike Williams just isn't a one. Like, go, mm-hmm. go get D-Hop, man. Go trade. I mean, I don't know if they had the draft capital for it, but like go get D-Hop if you can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll see where D-Hop ends up. It's going to be interesting, like, because we know he's out of Carolina. I think New England's a likely option for him because Belichick loves trading for veterans and they have a notable relationship. Um, And then, I mean, there's a ton of options for him. If the Packers would really commit to Aaron Rodgers, they would sign him, but they have no cap space for the $30 that Hopkins would bring. And I don't think my Giants would trade for him either because – Joe Shane talked in the interview about like keeping with our guys and trying to re-sign our guys and uh, building through the draft. So we'll see what we do with our cap space, man. We have a ton of it, but I don't know how much is, of it's going to go into free agency. This is a perfect segue because I, I mm-hmm. this is, like, the biggest topic for the Giants this year because like I guess we could start with uh, we could start with Saquon, right? Free mm-hmm. agent wants a long-term deal. Sounds like he wants to stay, which is really cool. And then he said, I think there was a quote where he's like, "I don't have to reset the market." And so mm-hmm. like, think about the market. So the market, so the highest paid running back is Christian McCaffrey at 16 million a year, 16 million. Yep. And I think the franchise franchise tag, which they could tag him for a year pays like 10, 11 a million. So I, I assume he wants the, them to show him the commitment of a long-term mm-hmm. deal, probably somewhere in, in between 11 and 16. So I have two questions. Number yeah. one, how much should Saquon get paid? How much will he get paid? And will the giants be the one who are paying him? Gotcha. Okay. So before I answer those questions, which I will, let me just take you back to the origins of Saquon Barkley and the Giants. So I'm able to provide a little more context for my sure, answer. Yeah. So Saquon was drafted by Dave Gettleman, who also drafted Christian McCaffrey the previous year in the first round. Um, and they he's a running back that was drafted second overall and as has been proven in the past, I think, five years since no running back has been taken above. 24th in the first round Um, the positional value with running backs is just not there there are plenty of starting running backs in the league there are plenty of running backs that can average you four and a half yards per carry Um, Saquon Barkley was obviously a a generational talent out of Penn State his tape was amazing but picking a running back that high is kind of setting yourself up 
for, for failure because he's immediately getting one of the top running back contracts as a rookie um, because he got six million a year, which at the time was like top five in running back payments. Um, then there were other options. There were quarterbacks like, I mean, Sam Darnold, uh, Josh Rosen, which obviously have not panned out, but it would have reset the rebuild and made it start a little bit earlier, which would have been beneficial. Right. Um, having a rookie quarterback on that kind of deal is always good. And so like all the Giants fans were just kind of like, we love Saquon. He's a great player, but we had the second overall pick. Like there's so much more value you can get from that. So the past couple of years, Saquon's been, he's been awesome for us, but then he's been hurt and he's been hurt. Then he's been awesome for us. And it's so sort of this like roller coaster relationship we have with this running back. And he's 26 and he's coming off of like two big leg injuries. So he he's been producing this season. He's been amazing. But are we are we like confident he's going to be able to do that year in from year out? So obviously his production warrants like 15 million a year kind of money. But in today's NFL, you can get a comparable running back for a lot less. So I think. I mean, I've heard reports that the Giants have offered him 12, 12 million, and he's looking more towards like the 14 million a- area. But at this point, like, I don't know. It's It seems like it's going in a weird direction. And the, I think he probably is like should be worth around like the 11 or 12 million. But I don't even know if I want to resign a 26 year old running back at this point. Um, so I think. We're going to use the franchise tag. You can only use it once, so either on Daniel Jones or Saquon. But it's it's really going to be an interesting situation, and I think it's more likely than some Giant, Giants fans think that Saquon's going to be leaving. Yeah, I mean, look, I just go, like I think kind of like echo your point. Look at Zeke, man. They pay. I mean, that like that talk about an unfortunate con- and that and look <clears throat> for running backs and Tony Pollard, who unfortunately broke his leg, but like yep. way better than Zeke. And they're not the same back, but. I completely agree with what you're saying. You can get a comparable back for way less money and at a way, you know, inferior position in the draft. Yeah. But, like what running backs do you know that are 29 years old that are still producing? Like Derrick Henry is one that I can think of. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a new, it's a new NFL and running backs are not commanding as much as they did before. No. And it, it's just unfortunate, but, and it, you know, it, it's like, just you gotta, you gotta just not pay them sometimes, which is really hard, especially for Saquon. It was so good this year. Yeah, my bet is is he'll be my like it, my reasonable bet would be he's back on the franchise tag for ten million, and then next year I think he's probably gone if that's the case. And I think Daniel Jones is probably unless do you have questions prepared about Daniel Jones or I do, but you feel for go for it. So I mean, probably what you're going to ask is regarding his contract as well, and he he's. I mean, he's been he's been great this season. He's been fantastic at operating Brian Dable's offense and Mike Kafka's offense, and he's been doing everything we've been asking of him. We have been at we haven't been asking him to really push the ball downfield, give up those 50-50 balls, make an impact, and that like kind of shows in his in his stats. I mean, he had fifteen passing touchdowns. Um, he also had a, a like a five or seven rushing touchdowns as well. So that part of the game should be noted, but should be noted, but um. I mean, it just shows in the playoffs, like the remaining quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, Pat Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and I mean, Brock Purdy, but let's forget about him for my point right now. It's you're not going to win in today's league without one of those top, top, top guys. Like gone are the days where Joe Flacco can bring a Raider, uh, a Ravens team to the championship. Um, Gone are the days where like a uh, Trent Dilfer, sorry Ravens fans, I just used two of your uh, <laughs> <laughs> your quarterbacks. But um, I mean, so Daniel Jones, he's he's been great and he's been working and he's been winning. 
but he's not the type of guy to get a four million, uh, a four year, 50 million, 40 million even type of deal. At this point, I think his contract is going to command probably two years, three years with an opt out, um, a team opt out for 30 to 35 a year. So, I mean, I think we're committing to him for at least the short term, but you never know. We could draft a guy like Anthony Richardson in the late first or trade up in the mid first to get him and develop him and see what happens. But, you know, <laughs> I, I couldn't agree with everything you said more. It's <laughs> like seriously, because it, I just you never want to be like, eh, like about your quarterback, you know, like he's good. It's like all like Jared Goff, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins. All these guys are really, really good. But it's like, you know, do you actually think you have a chance at winning the Super Bowl with them? And the answer is probably no. And mm. like. From, from what I could tell from like quotes from like, you know, exit comp, exit uh, interviews at the end of the year, it seems like they're more committed to giving Daniel Jones a longer term deal than Saquon, at least right now. Because like you said, they can only tag one of them. And the franchise tag, I saw this on an ESPN article for a quarterback is close. It's like $32 million, which is really steep. Um, but then it's like, but do you want to sign a long term deal, which is cheaper for Daniel Jones and commit to him like that? So it's really, really hard. Um mm-hmm. I like like you said, they're probably going to commit to him at least, you know, give him like an intermediate contract. So it's not like a, you know, a Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes tenure deal, but <clears throat> oh, there is no perfect. Yeah. And we have like the freedom because we have a good amount of cap space. And if we get guys like Kenny Galladay off the books and Leonard Williams, if he agrees to a pay cut, we'll be able to support Jones's contract. Um, but I mean, it's kind of like committing yourself to not mediocrity, but being above average and not not super special. Yeah. So I love Daniel Jones and I love what he's done for us. And he's been amazing, but um, I'd be a little bit weary about giving him more than two or three years. He's taken a lot of heat, but like, yeah, it's like, he's the kind of guy that loses in the divisional round, you know, mm-hmm. and like, and good for him. Cause he wasn't that before. So, Oh yeah, no way. Yeah, I appreciate the Ascension. Um, listen, you mentioned the Giants are second in, uh, in total cap space. You mentioned some other names like Leonard Williams. Yeah. Like Dexter Lawrence who's probably going to want to raise. So if you're if you're Joe Shane, you're the GM, you've got the Saquon decision, you've got the Danny Dimes decision, you've got to worry about all these defensive players whose contracts are up, and maybe they're willing to take pay cuts, maybe not. Who's on the top of the priority list? I think number one, um, outside of Daniel Jones, is Dexter Lawrence. I think he has been a revelation this year. Awesome. Um, he's the best nose tackle in the league. He fits Wink Martindale's defense perfectly. Um, and he's just been applying constant pressure from the center, which is super important nowadays, getting that quarterback off his base, out of the pocket. Um, and I mean, so I think he's number one. Um, I'd say Daniel Jones, definitely number two. Um, there's like our team is, is very weird because we have a lot of players, a lot of young players, and then a lot of guys that like we're pro- are probably not going to return next year that have been on one year deals. Um, we need I mean. In free agency, in terms of spending our money there, like we need a starting linebacker and a guy like Tremaine Edmonds from the Bills system, he's available. And I think that's a guy worth putting our money into. Um, wide receiver, obviously, is a big issue. So is cornerback, too. But we'll see how they address that, either by free agency or draft. But I don't see them giving more than one huge contract out to an outside player. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's impossible to predict. But I'm gonna let's give let's do an even more difficult prediction. Let's you know, let's see how all this offseason stuff plays out. Need your reaction right now, end of next season. What's what are Giants regular season record and what's their their playoff outcome if they should they make the playoffs? Gotcha. So end of the season, I'd give us ten and seven or eleven and six. 
I think nine, seven and one this year was great. I think we did have the easiest schedule in the NFL. The entire NFC East had probably the easiest schedules in the NFL next season. Uh, that's not really going to change too much because the giants are still in third in the NFC East. So they play all of the third place NFC teams. Oh, sure. So um, that's going to be nice for us. Um, so I think, yeah, 11 and six, 10 and seven is a good estimate. I think probably again, we'll make it to the divisional round. Um, but I mean, the NFC is like such a wild card. It's kind of weak nowadays. Like yeah. the 49ers and the Eagles are the really only two teams that are like really stunning and like Super Bowl uh, possibilities. Like no one would expect the Cowboys to be winning this round too, even if they beat the 49ers. Like, so, I mean, we'll see. We have an easy schedule. Divisional round, I think, is definitely super attainable. And then, I don't know, the NFC is wide open. We'll see if Daniel Jones is able to take that next step up because that would requ- that would be what we would require. Right. Well, I'll be right. 11-6, and six, like 10-7, and seven, that'd be a pretty good outcome. And I know it's like, oh, it's only like a one win or two win difference. But like at, when you get into those double-digit win totals, that those mean a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I hope you're right, man. And I hope uh, – <laughs> I hope the Giants give you another good season because this this was awesome to watch as like someone who doesn't really have a dog in the fight. They, like, mm-hmm. you know, like one of the coolest stories in the league this year. Totally, it's been it's been great as a Giants fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about this because I know I've seen your spreadsheets before. I know how into the the draft you are, and like, oh yeah, you go all in. And I remember, I think it was last year. You, I, I swear, I don't even know how many picks you got right, like in the top ten. It was like all of them. <laughs> how many was it to be i got like i'm curious it was i got eight out of the 10 first uh top 10 picks right yeah like i'm sorry yeah. todd mcshay and, and and mel like they, they <laughs> start taking some notes man because that's crazy there's so much yeah room. i mean the draft I'm, i've just been really interested in it because i love both college football and nfl so yeah. i like follow it in depth every year it's kind of like a hobby of mine but i don't know it's really cool seeing these players and like see them play in the nfl and knowing that like oh the guy that you really like to watch see like uh, really like to watch in college like aiden hutchinson doing so well in the nfl on your lions yeah um, cool. it's great to see <laughs> any um any like doesn't be a hot take but any like picks you're pretty confident about or any like kind of uh some interesting you know you know shocker picks you have for the draft coming up maybe like towards the top of the first round so i mean i think will levis um he is he's the zach wilson of this year he's the guy that he looks the part he has the build he's the arm um didn't have a ton of success in college but i think he's gonna go earlier than a lot of people think i think he might go over cj stroud which wow is is I mean, a lot of like pundits have been saying nowadays, like people are are really high on Will Levis, like the Panthers, especially that connection with their owner and Penn State. Um, and because he I mean, their owner in Kentucky, I mean, he went to both Penn State and Kentucky, Will Levis. But um, so, I mean, I'm not super high on him, but I think the, the league is so. I mean, they probably know better than I do, but who knows? <laughs> I don't know if they do. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean. Lions and Seahawks are very lucky to be in the top top six. Amazing. And top seven. And I think both of them are going to go for a gritty D lineman. They're a really strong D lineman in this class, like Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech, Miles Murphy out of Clemson that are going to be around in that area. Um, I think a compliment to Aiden Hutchinson or if they go corner. Um, there's guys like Christian Gonzalez for the Lions. He went to Oregon. Guys like Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State. 
Um, I just think those teams that are picking super high um, that have had success this year are going to be uh, reaping the spoils. I don't even think that's a term, but, you know, I like that, it's going to be great. <laughs> they got to shore up the defense, especially for the Lions. Mm-hmm. So you, you think you think Young, Stroud, and Levis are all gone in the top ten? Definitely. And I think there's a high chance that Richardson is as well. Really? Wow. Yeah. He's he's great. He's uh he's what everyone thought Malik Willis was last year, but ten times better. He's super athletic. He makes plays that you will see only Patrick Mahomes make. Granted, he's not as consistent as these top guys, but he has all the makings of like a superstar. It's just if he can put it together. It's funny you mentioned Malik Willis. What about so for him and like like Desmond Ritter, as you got like pretty limited playing time this year and didn't look super great. Any you think there's any chance for them or are they can you already tell their boss? I mean, I don't think the Falcons are going to um, draft a quarterback this year. So I think Desmond Ritter is going to have a year to kind of audition for that job. Um, I don't know how well he's going to fit in that system, how well he's going to produce there, but we'll see. He, he looked okay at the end of the season. Malik Willis, I mean, we'll see what the Titans do with Tannehill, whether they re-sign him or they get rid of him. But I don't know. He did not look good. And granted, he was drafted as a project. Uh, he was drafted as a guy that you really have to mold into the quarterback you want. So we'll see with him. Kenny Pickett looked good in the second half of the season, so I think he's going to be fine um, with those Steelers. And then who else is there? I mean – Depends on what the Panthers do. If they draft a quarterback, if they stick with Darnold, we'll see what Matt Corral is able to do after missing this entire season. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that, I feel like Sam Darnold, man. He just <laughs> like I don't think it's. I, I think you got to. I like Sam Darnold, but like you got to. I think you got to move on. Like it, it's still, yeah. Like he's not going to do anything for you. Like if he makes it to the playoffs with you, it's a fluke. And like you might as well just commit to the rebuild and get a new guy, or at least get a young guy that you're going to like try to mold. Yeah, I mean, and he's like, I don't know, he's just like, he's he's pretty athletic, but like Daniel Jones is more athletic than Sam Darnold. And like, he just, I don't know if there's anything special there other than he's like a good, you know, good locker room guy, like a persona. But mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of, a lot of uh, I don't know, I, I hope I hope these guys that are kind of like, I mean, listen, all these guys are talking about at worst, they're still in the league, you know? Yeah. But uh, you bring up such a good point earlier when you talked about the fact that like you can't win with a Joe Flacco or Trent Dilfer anymore. It's so tough because like, you feel like you have to hit on this like home run guy or just, you know, I, I remember Robert solid was like, we're in like a microwave kind of world <laughs> right now. Where it's like you have to be really good right away or we got to move on. We got to get the next guy. So yeah. Picking at the top three, like you might as well not draft quarterback. Cause none of the, it's, it's just a mess where you like, you have to have a top five quarterback and it, it affects the way that the front offices are conducting business. Totally. And that's why like these guys like Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers are in such weird situations right now, because the Ravens, I mean, they're not going to succeed without Lamar Jackson, at least in the immediate future. So your choice is either to pay him to franchise tag him or what? Like you can't let him walk. And people saying that they're going to let him walk. Like what are the Ravens going to do? They're, they're not going to let Lamar Jackson walk. If they're, they give him the franchise tag, it'll be the same one that Daniel Jones would get 30 million. Like you could still operate with that. Sure. Um, and guys like Aaron Rodgers, he's making 50 million, but we'll see where he goes with the Packers. Like if he gets traded or not, I don't know if anyone's going to want to take on that contract, but it's, these guys are in such high demand and they command so much money that these front offices are put in these weird situations. If you don't have a guy. It's tough, man. I would, look, I would love to be a, a GM, but I also would not want to be a GM because it's just like, it's so, it's so difficult. No, I'd love to be a GM in which you have the start off with the first overall pick and you have a guy like Joe Burrow or a guy like, I don't know, 
yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, one the of those things. Trevor Lawrence, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, we've got a lot of uh talking a lot about like off season stuff. We the season's not over. There's still no sir left. So we got the NFC championship game, we got Eagles 49ers, we got the AFC championship, which apparently is taking place in Burrowhead instead of Arrowhead. <laughs> you got uh Bengals versus Chiefs. So I mean, I I know that the the Bengals are favored by like two and a half right now. I don't know who the favorite is in the Eagles San Francisco game, but what what are your feelings on both of those? We'll start with NFC. Yeah, so in the NFC, I mean, I I was there in uh, at oh, Lincoln yeah, Financial for, to watch my Giants lose thirty eight to seven. Um, so that was kind of <laughs> kind of brutal. But I mean, the Eagles fans around me they actually treated me pretty well. I don't know if that's out of wow. sympathy or uh, <laughs> you know, that's nice. But um empathy i'd say but i don't know the eagles are just such a well-constructed team they're so deep at every level the defensive line they have three guys who got 11 sacks this year and asan reddick got 14 and he should be a deep defensive of the defensive player of the year candidate um they have darius slay and james bradbury on the back end not to mention avante maddox cj gardner johnson all these great guys in the secondary they have the leading tackler in the league tj edwards like they're so deep on defense and they have two of the best receivers in the game they have a great running back core the best offensive line in the league they're just so so deep and jalen hurts has been thriving with that um the 49ers on the other hand they're similarly built they have a great defensive line with eric armstead um, Nick Bosa, obviously, their linebacking core with your guys like Fred Warner. Um, their corners are a little bit weaker. And then, obviously, the main issue with the 49ers is, or I don't even know if I should say issue, but Brock Purdy, right. he's a rookie. He's the last pick in the draft. He's undefeated. He's winning. But can he beat a Goliath like the Eagles? And I don't know if he's able – he hasn't been playing super well in the past couple of games. It's really the team around him that's been kind of carrying. Um, he was playing amazingly in the, in the regular season. So right. we'll see what he can do. But I don't know. I, I, I think the Eagles – I mean, the 49ers are coached better, but the Eagles are not coached poorly. They've been winning, and they're – I don't know. They're the two best teams in the NFC, and it was bound to be this combination, the NFC Championship, for a reason. Yeah, it's 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 like a pick 'em game. It feels like. What do you think about? Because like obviously, it feels like Jalen Hurts is. I mean, it doesn't feel like it is. He's the superior quarterback in this matchup. But just like Purdy hasn't played great the last few games. Going back to the, the last week of the regular season when Hurts came off that shoulder injury, he hasn't really been like super awesome in, in, in over a month now. Do you think he's mm-hmm. going to be hundred percent or close enough to hundred percent to see like the guy we saw the first fifteen weeks of the season? I mean, we'll see. He executed really well against a good Giants defense. Um, if that's because of the environment or the system, like that's obviously going to change for this next game. I'm, I mean, it's still in Philly, but it's, it's re- it really depends on if he's able to stay in like a in a, in in his system in his form, like not leave the pocket too much unless it's designed because we don't want him taking like free rushers. We don't want him taking blitzers because um, that shoulder. I mean, it's a it's a it's an issue. But with the, his style of play, getting the ball out quick, um, I think he's going to be able to work around that that kind of work. Yeah. Do you think more more designed runs for Hertz? Because I feel like that's been dipped kind of since the injury. Do you think they'll, they'll have him run it more? I mean, they were running the option a lot in the game against the Giants. Um, and granted, they handed it off to Kenneth Gainwell a bunch of times out of that. He got like 100-something yards. Yeah. But 
we'll see. They're going to try to protect him. Um, the 49ers have a mean pass rush, so meaner than the Giants. So we'll see. If the 49ers win, it's because they're able to get Jalen Hurts into a situation where he can't be operating that offense really well. And if the Eagles win, it's going to be the same situation. They get Brock Purdy in the situation where he's uncomfortable in the pocket, has to make plays by himself. And we don't know if he could do that yet. Yeah. I I, I like Brock Purdy in the sense that, like, he seemed – he's just very confident and like he'll extend plays. But I, I remember I, I looked up like some draft analysis on the guy, you know, like it's just the reason he was the last pick of the draft. There's just not a ton of arm talent and like arm strength. And like, he's just kind of a, I don't know. He's, he feels like he's playing a little over his skis right now. So. I'm yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, he's a good, he's a good quarterback. He's got the leadership skills. He was great at Iowa state. Um, and he is, a, he is the best quarterback coach in the country. Like Kyle Shanahan. He's, right. he's, turned so many guys into passable quarterbacks he got jimmy garoppolo to a super bowl um but we'll see i I mean if he gets out of structure this is his prove it moment i think i think the 49ers quarterback situation is the weirdest one i've never seen anything like this if you have and it's impossible to guess who i mean i guess i maybe they'll have some kind of quarterback competition maybe it's not going to be definitive the whole year who's on the roster and who starts next year with jimmy g Trey Lance and Purdy. Gotcha. So Jimmy G's a free agent. So I think he's gone. I think now that they have two guys on rookie quarter on rookie quarterback contracts, like that is probably the best situation you could possibly be in. If one of those guys turns out to be the guy. So Trey Lance, he, I think at this point is going to be the starter unless Brock Purdy wins them the Super Bowl because he was drafted third overall because of the extensive work they put into him. I mean, they wouldn't draft a guy that high. They wouldn't trade up for a guy that they didn't think could be a generational talent, a starting quarterback that is among the ranks of Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, uh, Justin Herbert. Um, And so, I mean, I think Trey Lance really, he's only played two NFL games, three NFL games. One of them was in the pouring rain. Um, it's it's an interesting situation, but I think they give him at least another chance. And Brock Purdy, they have him for another four years. So if it doesn't work out with uh, with Trey Lance, Brock Purdy's sitting there making seven hundred thousand dollars a year, like, <laughs> and he has shown you that he can win eight games in a row. It's so weird that like you know this is the 49ers' second Super Bowl in like four years, or whatever. But they're fourth conference championship game, something like that. They've won 11 mm-hmm. straight games. They, if they win this, they're going to the Super Bowl. And it's still – we still don't know if they have a franchise quarterback. It's so weird. It's amazing. They're the kind of the one ex, one exception to that you need a quarterback to make it to this. You need a, a star quarterback to make it to the Super Bowl. But, I mean, they haven't won it yet, so we'll see. And, I mean, that one season with, like, C.J. Beathard starting where they had a really bad record, like – I mean, I'll kind of give Shanahan the pass there. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like I guess I mean Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, the the GM for the San Francisco. It's like they have put something really nice together that it's almost like it's quarterback resistant, where they can just w- win mostly at a high level with just about anybody. Of course, when it gets to this point, you kind of need a guy who can get it done in the fourth quarter. But wow. yeah, they're they're a terrific tandem. It's it's totally necessary that's the thing you need to win in this league is a good head coach and a good general manager. Right. Yeah. It starts at the top for sure. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's go AFC Bengals and, uh, and Chiefs. Uh, Patrick Holmes got a, a gimpy high ankle sprain. What, what do we think is going to happen here? I mean, 
So Arrowhead is a different beast because it's the loudest stadium in the country. It's such a huge home field advantage and they love Patrick Mahomes. They're going to stand behind him no matter what, but the Bengals, they kind of have the chiefs number. I mean, they beat him in the regular season this year, beat him in the regular season last year, beat him in the playoffs last year. So it's, I mean, the, the coaches of the Bengals, they have something going. And Joe Burrow has been playing out of his mind the past couple weeks. I mean, he had a, a little bit of a brutal start to the other game, but he he's 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 got the it factor. He's got the him factor. He's yep. <laughs> and Mahomes obviously is, I think, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the league. He's the MVP. Yeah. Um, but if it's if he actually does have a high ankle sprain or even like some sort of low ankle sprain, tendonitis, I, he's going to be in an uncomfortable position. And the Bengals have two good guys coming off the edge, Trey Hendrickson and Chris Hubbard. They're going to be giving Mahomes fits. Um, uh, The Chiefs don't have like a super, super great defense. They have good young guys like Karloftis and McDuffie. But outside of that, I feel like, I don't know, if the Chiefs win, it's because Mahomes still can produce no matter what because he's the best quarterback in the league and he just tears them up and doesn't let the Bengals catch up to him. But if the Bengals win, I feel like – I don't know. I feel like only a couple things have to go right for the Bengals to to make it out of here. Yeah. I mean, like I guess with the Chiefs, like maybe you got to hope Chris Jones does something nasty, you know, just kind of carry the defense. With Mahomes, though, because like I feel like such a big part of Mahomes' game is getting outside the pocket and ad-libbing and extending plays. And that's all – first of all, like I mean, the I actually I watched some video about this, that apparently the Bengals are really good at like preventing that from happening. Mm. Uh, they have like a, like a specific rushing scheme that keeps him inside the pocket, but then you got to include the fact he also like you can't get outside the pocket when your ankle hurts. Like you can, but not to the same degree. So it's like it feels mm-hmm. like it's a recipe for a a Bengals win. There's a lot of things, but I'm, I got like I still feel like I got to pick the Chiefs. Like I, it's hard to pick against Mahomes. Yeah, this is a game I definitely will not be betting on because like yeah. Mahomes is one of my favorite players in the league. So is Joe Burrow. So mm-hmm. I mean, they're two of everyone's favorite favorite players in the league. Yeah, but. Mahomes, yeah, he really like those unstructured plays where he runs out of the pocket and he he zooms out of the pocket. He's really fast when there's someone chasing him, as he's talked about in interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if the Bengals can make him uncomfortable and he doesn't have that same amount of speed and their receiving core, I mean, it's been successful for the year, um, but they don't really have many guys outside of Kelsey. I mean, Juju's been okay. Valdez Scantling's been fine. Their rookie Moore's been meh. Um, like, I mean. The Bengals have some good defensive backs. Like I hate him, but Eli Apple's been playing okay. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I feel like if the Bengals use this opportunity to get at Mahomes, I feel like they can do it. All right, we got a very difficult question. Uh, three weeks from now, whenever the Super Bowl is, who do you think is the matchup, and who do you think is winning this whole thing? You know, I think. As much as I've said, I think the Bengals have a great shot of winning. I really do not want the Eagles to win a Super Bowl. And I think the Eagles are going to make it to the Super Bowl. And I think the Chiefs could beat them more than the, uh, at, at a higher probability than the Bengals can. So I'd say it's either the Bengals or the Chiefs against the Eagles and the Eagles lose. And I really hope it's the Chiefs that beat them. So I really, I really hope the Chiefs beat the Bengals, even though I love both teams, just because I want to see the Chiefs beat Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. <laughs> so 
So my money would be on Chiefs Eagles, but as long as the Eagles don't aren't carrying a trophy by the end of it, I'll be happy. <laughs> I respect that. <laughs> I feel like whoever comes out of the AFC is winning it solely because they have so much more playoff pedigree than Brock Purdy or Jalen Hurts, who are you know both great stories, but like they just haven't. I don't like has Jalen Hurts played like a, a super gnarly awesome playoff game in his career yet? I, I not. Has Jalen Hurts played a super gnarly awesome team yet this season? That, I don't know. You know, that is a, that is a valid point, actually. <laughs> We're not calling frauds, but like, you know, <laughs> they haven't been tested the same way Burrow and Mahomes have been tested, and they, they've passed all the tests. So totally. If Hurdy or Pertz, ooh, Purdy or Hurts, if, <laughs> if Purdy or Hurts are in a shootout with Mahomes or Burrow, they're not going to win it. Yeah, you can't win that. You can't. No. And like, they just have to hope that their respective defenses can stifle the other team and prevent a shootout. Yeah, they're not winning a shootout against either of those teams, for sure. Yeah, yeah. NFC defense, AFC offense, it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> this season. I mean, regardless of, like, what matchups take place, like, it's you're going to have star power in the game regardless, which I feel like is such a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm excited. It's going to be great. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait. Doesn't get better than Super Bowl Sunday, man. <laughs> Let me ask you, because I know we talked about high ankle sprain. This is this is kind of a weak transition because <laughs> Brian, for those who don't know, Brian has a surgically repaired knee because he I tore sure like do every single. Li- I feel like you tore ligaments that they. I feel like they discovered new ligaments after looking at your knee because like you tore things that didn't exist before. At, yeah, like, they named they named a new one the BCL after me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guy got his knee absolutely shattered and well, like gruesome injury. Rehabbed, you had the surgery, like. My question for you is you're more removed from it now. And obviously, you know, since like I've seen you play basketball again, and obviously walking, running around again, traumatic injury like that. I feel like we, you know, we hear about athletes going through this stuff who have like millions of dollars of, of rehab teams and facilities. Mm-hmm. And stuff. As someone who is a normal human being, although a very good athlete, but like a normal human being for the most part, what was that rehab process like? And how are you feeling now? Yeah. So, I mean, my rehab process was a little more extended than like some of the NFL players Um, extended in terms of duration, not in terms of intensity. Um, Like I, I mean, I did the normal things, PT, I used a passive motion machine, all that. Um, And it took about six months for me to be like fully moving again and around eight or nine months for me to be playing sports again, which I, I, let me admit, like, I played high school sports. I am not at a high level same... though. You played high school sports. Okay. Okay. Sure. Um, on a not nearly the same planet as these guys. And to see them just seven months after the same injury I had back on the field, making these cuts like Odell Beckham last season, he was able to rehab from his ACL tear the previous, uh, the previous season and play in the Super Bowl for the Rams. He, I, I, I mean, granted, he did re-tear his ACL in that same game, but <laughs> like it's 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 incredible to see these players go out there and be moving as fluidly as they can. Because let me tell you, I am my knee is not nearly in the same place as it was before I got hurt. It yeah. like I don't think I could be making the same moves I did like on the basketball court or anything like that. So these it's just amazing, amazing to me, like also as like a person who's studying medicine right now, seeing these players in a one shape like the the best shape on the planet you could possibly be in and just getting back on the field and making an impact so but it it really depends on the player because you see guys like 
I mean, like guys like a Cam Akers who came off of his injury and was like a non-factor for a while this season. Sure. Um, it's it's Adrian Peterson though comes off an ACL rushes for two thousand yards. So, I mean, medicine's come a long way, and yeah. these players are really reaping the benefits of it. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, like just to like the fact that you were able to get through all that, and like you know, I guess I, I I'm curious, like emotionally, what is the guy? Because I know you and I are someone sent like obviously we love playing sports, like it's a big part of like spending our free time and stuff like that. What like. What's that like not being able to do that for a while? And then when you do come back, how you were just talking about, like not feeling like you can like leap as hard as you want to and like carelessly make cuts and stuff like that because you don't want to screw up your knee again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously during the rehab process and not being able to like get out there and like just hoop with you guys and stuff like that was it was it was annoying and I, I was frustrated with that. But then totally the mental aspect when I came back, like just being comfortable with knowing that like you have metal in your knee and you have like a that's part of my patellar tendon is now part of my ACL like knowing that every time you step like those are you got to trust your surgeon like it's such a crazy mind game and you really have to get really have to like convince yourself you're not going to get hurt again to be able to fully commit to to working like you used to then so this is actually like weird transition but to Saquon Barkley's so he came back a little bit early from his injury, his leg injury. He had an ACL tear, high ankle sprain earlier in the season. Um, and he did not look like the same player last season. He was not yeah. effective rushing the ball. He was very patient, but too patient and would get caught two yards behind the line of scrimmage. And you could tell he did not trust his leg. He, it was such like a mental thing for him. He just did not trust his ability to plant that leg and drive forward. So this season, I mean – seems like he's fixed it but you can just it just goes to show how big a mental impact it is on these players yeah like, kudos to you man for just like you know being <laughs> overcoming that hurdle and look at you I mean look at you now so appreciate it man appreciate it no we'll have to get on the basketball court soon i you know would love to see you come to ann arbor at some point but <laughs> oh i'll be back i'll be back yeah and uh i mean seriously like that's just like I, and i can't really uh, empathize with it because I haven't experienced injury like that. But just the, I mean, like I just like like like, like Clay Thompson. Like, how does <laughs> that guy do anything without fear? Like, it's it's really interesting. Um, yeah, but yeah, guys like Kevin Durant, even after tearing his oh, Achilles, like, whew, yeah, that looked brutal. And yeah, you. Oh, I remember that when he came back too early in that in the playoffs, and he tried playing. And he was having like twelve point quarter, and then he just saw it. Yeah. Like, yeah, he dribbled like twelve total times in a game because he just like could not move. <laughs> he was like staying in the same position. <laughs> It's tough, man. It's tough, but modern medicine. I mean, Kevin Durant's doing pretty well right now. Clay Thompson's hot. So seems to be working out for them. (laughs) Yeah. We're in a different era of modern medicine and you, Brian, are entering it. I know you touched on this a little earlier. For those who don't know, I'm pretty sure everyone who listens to this, they do know, but (laughs) you're in medical school. And so Rutgers has two, there's like two Rutgers medical schools. You're at Robert Wood Johnson, right? Yep. Okay. So let me ask you this. What is your experience as like as an M1? You're in semester two now. Uh, what is your experience like specifically with Rutgers been like and then just medical school in general? You, you know, you're moving back. You know, you're not in Michigan anymore. You're kind of closer to home. How's all that been for you? Yeah, so being back in Jersey has been great. I've been able to see my parents a lot more than I did when I was back up in Ann Arbor with you. Um, and it's been nice having them as a 
like uh, be, being so close to them and just being able to have them as like a social support, emotional support. Um, the school itself has been great. Like I love the curriculum. I, I love the way they're going about teaching us all of the different topics that we have to learn. Um, I mean, it's been tough to adjust to this kind of lifestyle. I mean, studying for three to five to eight hours on any given day has been, it's been brutal and, and getting ready for an exam every three weeks. It's definitely a life you got to adjust to, but it's been, it's been great knowing that like I have a good school behind me and the friends I've made here have been terrific and it's been a great community. So positive reviews so far on med school. Um, but definitely you got to put the work in. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you that you're not like sugarcoating it. Like you're like, you love it, but it's, it's really challenging and it requires a lot of time. Totally. Um, well, something else that you brought up, cause did you know, like people in your, in your class before you started or did you, is this all new for you? All these people? I mean, I, I knew of maybe two people in my class, but I really didn't, I really went into it knowing nobody and my roommates have been great. So that's, that's been terrific, but yeah, you know, it's uh we're all kind of struggling together. Right. Uh, me and my, my one sixty person class. So that kind of brings us a little bit closer. <laughs> and so yeah. it's been a good community in that sense. What's that been like? Cause like, you know, when you go to undergrad, like everybody's 18, you know, when you go to medical school, like, so you're, I assume you gotta be like one of the youngest people in your class. I'm sure some people are in like their late twenties. What's that mm -hmm. like meeting all new people who have come different backgrounds, different ages, all that stuff. It's been, it's been amazing. Like I'm friends with like 30 year olds that are learning the same thing that I have, but they spent eight years teaching or eight years researching or doing or in the military or something like that. Um, and but just like we're all in the same position right now. We're all just like living, eating, sleeping, doing work. So Oops. sorry, I think I went low power for a second there. Um, <laughs> but I, it's it's kind of made me realize that I, I'm like in the adult world now. I'm got to kind of grow up um, and and really like get myself together. So it's it's been nice in that sense. Like it feels more adult, feels real. Yeah. That's, it sounds like, I mean, listen, uh, there's no, I think it's one of those things that's really hard and there's no perfect way to like seamlessly adjust, but it seems like you're doing a really good job with it. Appreciate and, it. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, appreciate the fact that you're willing to get through, because I guarantee you not everybody has a seamless transition, you know, like there's, there's, there's peaks and valleys to this thing. And I'm, you know, it seems like you're, you're handling it well, but mm -hmm. any, any like stereotypes or myths about medical school that you care to debunk or confirm? So one that I don't think many people know of, but is probably the most apparent like niche thing about med school is it feels like high school in the sense that like there's only 160 people in the class and we're all taking the exact same classes. But I mean, there's still the same like cliques. There's still the same like wow. drama in med school, like the relationship drama and all that. And like t teacher drama. And it's 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 so weird like putting it in that perspective because these people like we range from age 22 to 31 and it's we're all adults but it's it's such a weird experience but I kind of love it in that sense I'm able to just like still be myself around all these adults <laughs> yeah that is really it's like imagine like inserting a bunch of 30 year olds in a high school you know and it's exactly like, yeah. the same thing hopefully like you know more mature group but um that's funny though it makes sense because like, I feel like it's probably it's probably unavoidable with a group that small, you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we all know each other now. We like we all know a lot about each other now. So, yeah, that's got to be so refreshing coming from a class of I don't even know how many people. What are there? Ten thousand people in our class? It's some insane amount. Yeah, that's really nice. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, Michigan was great because like it's such a huge class, but once you found your group, it kind of feels smaller. Sure. Um, but then in like a small school like this, you really have to like make your group, and like right. it's it's very limited in size. But it's been it's worked out great, and I know that I know you're going into that same kind of thing next year. And I, I think you're going to do a great job of finding that group, finding that community. And I think it'll be super natural, the transition. I appreciate it, man. I hope so. Because that, that's one of the <laughs> things I'm most worried about is like, you know, how, how, finding, finding a new group. I'm like the one that I feel like I've had the same one for the past like 10 years. So, mm -hmm. And that's another way it feels kind of like high school. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a really good point. Brian, I got to ask, dude, just because I, I mentioned this in the very first like sentence I said that you're like a jack of all trades for those like, I mean, Yes, you're a medical school, a very smart guy. Obviously, <laughs> the, the sports guru. You guys haven't seen Brian in like athletic capacity. The guy's a good athlete, but like, <laughs> like true Jack Jack of all trades. So, like, are you like, are you still finding time? Like, is there any acapella stuff? Are you still finding time to sing? Do is everybody in your class know how good of a whistler you are? Like, I mean, <laughs> are you talents? And you're just the cool things about you. Like, are you still able to have time to do all that stuff? I mean, I first of all, I appreciate that description of me. That's very kind of you. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, th this semester, first semester of med school and like this oncoming one, I've kind of just been like adjusting to the my new study oh. schedule and trying to figure out what I'm going to do with the next four years, if not the rest of my life. Um, but I mean, it's hard to kind of make time for that stuff, but... I've been like making an effort to engage myself like with activities that definitely aren't medical related. Like I've been trying to get out there, like do some athletic stuff, uh, do some, I haven't really been doing a lot of music, which is, which is kind of, it's kind of upsetting, but I, I should probably get back into that. But I mean, right now I'm kind of barreling down all, all med school, all, all med stuff kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the perfect approach. Cause like, it's not like undergrad where you come in, like I'm going to join everything and then slowly like kind of narrow it down to what really matters to me, you know, Cause mm -hmm. especially, first of all, you don't have the time for it right now. And like, it's, you know, you're in your first year, you gotta, let me, like, I feel like now the key, like figure out, let's make sure I can get all my studying done so I can, you know, succeed academically. And then I'll add a little here and there once I, I know what I'm, I'm capable of. It's, you know, so it's a whole different setting than undergrad was. So I think, you know, yeah, three years, to, you know, to pick up and, and, you know, the singing and all that stuff, but I'm glad you're finding the right balance right now. I think, I think that's the way to do it because you can't, you can't know what it's like before you start. So let's start, figure out what it's like and then go from there. Yeah, exactly. I will say I have been playing a lot of golf. So that is one pastime I've been able to maintain throughout. <laughs> that's that cool. For, for anyone who doesn't know, because Ryan and I have played golf a few times. Brian's, I swear, you, you like started playing golf, what, in May? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like immediately surpassed me. Immediately. <laughs> and like you said, you have like a very high ceiling and like it, you can rip Very low head. floor though as well. Sometimes I hit a ball and it goes backwards. <laughs> yeah, but the problem is I have a low floor and a low ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Give yourself more credit. <laughs> All right. I have, a, I have a margin. Well, the ceiling's low. I, I can't hit the ball. Like I don't know what club more than like 150 yards, but the, the floor's <laughs> a little higher, but like, I don't know. Yeah. But but yeah, we definitely got to get back on the golf course, man. That's a good time. Oh, totally. Totally. If you come out east or if next time I'm back in Michigan, we'll, I mean, we'll obviously hit the links, play some basketball, do all that good stuff. Plenty. plenty <laughs> of to do. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm just curious, what is, and this might be difficult off the top of your head, what is the coolest and or weirdest thing you have learned as a medical student in your first year? 
The coolest and or weirdest thing that I've learned in medical school. Oh, well, I've learned that um, people in Africa have a higher disposition for sickle cell disease, which has actually prevented them from being susceptible to diseases such as beta thalassemia. So this is a, it's a weird I'm trying to like dumb it down a lot because I know like this kind of jargon is like I'm I'm not trying to say like oh I know a lot more than oh we know I hear you yeah, yeah but but it's yeah it's a little weird so like sickle cells when your blood cells are like curved and and all thin so they can't carry oxygen as well um but beta thalassemia is like a blood disorder in which your uh, the hemoglobin in in those same cells is all messed up but when you have sickle cell and you don't have the type of hemoglobin that it messes up so you're actually able to carry oxygen better than so if you had beta thalassemia but also sickle cell it's healthier and it's safer so that's kind of some weird genetics that have made like a disease into a not so negative thing yeah interesting yeah so, sorry if that was just rambling like i hope no, that no. makes sense <laughs> i think it made sense to me i mean because like so is it is it advantageous in Africa to like to have sickle cell anemia? Like, is that, or is it, it still is, a net I negative? wouldn't say it's advantageous because it still lowers your life expectancy by a ton. But I'd say if you do have beta thalassemia, having sickle cell beforehand actually increases your life expectancy. Okay. So they're both a so, net negative, but it just yeah okay. yeah yeah. So it's a it's a little better. Yeah, <laughs> not bad. I feel like I've heard a similar kind of ideal in like a genetics class or something where like if you're a carrier for sickle cell in Africa, it's like the optimal situation. Cause you mm-hmm. know that kind of, but that is really cool. Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, biology is a very, very weird and extensive subject and I still don't really understand most of it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Listen, man, just walk around saying beta thalassemia. People are like, wow, this guy knows. Uh, yeah. Just use buzzwords, which I'm, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Well, listen, I think that's, that's everything I wanted to ask you. Is there anything, other NFL topics, stuff from medical school, stuff from life, anything else that you wanted to touch on? Hmm. I don't know. How do you feel about the Lions? How do you feel about your Lions? I mean, I, I, it was crushing not to make the playoffs, but after that, that just just rocky black hole start, I'm yeah, really pleased with where things are going. I will say, so, you know, we, you hear rumblings of guys on the – specifically on the defensive end, we want to take pay cuts because they want to stay, get the Detroit culture. Ben mm-hmm. Johnson choosing to stay, and obviously he's going to get a pay raise, which very warranted. That's the biggest thing, I think, of all of this offseason. The biggest move is keeping the status quo and keeping him, retaining him. I think uh, Ben Johnson's probably a top three, if not top two, offensive coordinator in the league. He has been incredible turning the Lions into that kind of offense. Yeah, and, and it's like, like the Lions have a lot of nice pieces, you know, like the receiving core is not, but like they don't have a real number one. You know, I love mm-hmm. Amon Robert. He's more of a slot guy. Yeah. It's still like we're, we're talking about guys like, you know, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, uh, Danny Dimes. Like he's still a little bit limited and not super mobile. And like, you know, it's one of the most high, high powered offenses in the league in terms of scoring and points per game. So I love that part of it. I don't know what we're going to do with DeAndre Swift. It feels like the move is not paying him. Um, Cause I mean, yeah. Best of I mean, you still got a year to decide, right? Isn't his contract not up until? I think, yeah, I think we have next year. But I, you know, I, is, is he gonna? Is there gonna be like a holdout? Yeah. Does he want an extension and all this stuff? But and with Jamal becoming one of those guys, like one of the staples of the team, like it makes yeah. it less likely you're gonna pay two guys. 
Exactly. And like, and I think Jamal's on a pretty, like, I think people said in the beginning, we overpaid for Jamal when he did, we did pay him. I think he's making, I'd be guessing, but he's making like close to 10 mil a year. Um, I'd pay that for 17 touchdowns. No doubt yeah, in my mind. <laughs> record breaker for the lions. But I mean, um, I, I love the direction of the team. Obviously Hutchins had a great year. You know, Rodrigo looks kind of like a nice player. I, mm-hmm. I like Houston a lot, although I oh, love Houston. Let's, let's see him play like a full slate of snaps every game though. You know, he's kind of like a yeah. possession guy, but. And he's like a, yeah, he's, he's a, a situational pass rusher. Like right. let's see him put his hand. He's a, he's a pretty short guy. He's like six foot, two twenty, something yeah, like weird. that. So we'll see like if he finds a real slot in that like starting defense. Right. So we'll see. I, I think, uh, I think it is, it, I think it's Tark who was on a one-year deal. So are we going to keep him? He had a really nice end to, you know, what was initially kind of a lousy season, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm kind of dancing around the point that the defense is still really bad. And mm-hmm. we can help that in the draft. And I think, you know, let's give an offseason for guys to get better. But, you know, we're going to get Tracy Walker back, which will be really nice. Hope, And, again, I think he tore an ACL. So, like you're saying, hopefully he can come back as remotely the same guy because he's kind of the core, the emotional core of that defense. He's been around for a while. But mm-hmm. uh, I love the team. You know, and, and I didn't even talk about Aaron Glenn, defensive coordinator, who's also really good. So mm-hmm. I like the team. I like it a lot. I like if I had to make a prediction, I'd say, I'd say probably like 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 ten wins, something like that. And I think yeah, yeah yeah maybe eleven wins. I do. I honestly though, I think that could be good enough to win the division, which is the crazy. I was thing. just about to say, I think I think ten wins. I mean, the Vikings. I don't want to say they were a super fluke, but I don't see them winning thirteen games next season. No. like anywhere close to that. Um, Packers, they're only going down, downwards. Um, and I mean the Bears, they're the worst roster in the league. So. Yeah, but Minnesota, I could see them like getting improving that defense, keeping everything on the offense the same, being a better football team, and losing more games. Just because I mean, they, yeah. I'm sorry, the Colts game where they they overcome the 33 record breaking deficit, like some of those, the tide is going to turn a little bit. But yeah, and Kirk Cousins, like in order for that to happen, you'd need him to play at the same level that he did this past year, and we know that he's not the same guy year to year in terms of his ability to like win games. Especially like he has one year where he's yeah, yeah. He's one year he's a pro bowler, and then the next he's like, oh, are they going to move from him? Are they going to read? Like, so and we'll see if he's able to keep up his production with, I mean, he has Hawkinson, Jefferson, like great guys to throw to. Yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> I mean, no disrespect. I hope they're not good. I hope everybody's in that division is not good except Detroit, but <laughs> really, really promising season. And like, you know, I don't, Dan's not the coach of the year. They didn't make the playoffs, but I think he's, he's like a top five coach of the year candidate this year. I mean, he oh really, yeah. He kept that locker room after, I think, I think they were one and five. Mm-hmm. And I mean, which is really, really hard. You know, you, oh, we're hearing the same stuff this week. It's going to happen. When is it going to happen? They, I think they, they beat a lot of teams that roster wise are better than them. So I like the direction they're going in. Totally. And even if he's not like the best situational head coach in game, like he still has a lot of work to do with that, but he can hire coaches that can do it for him. He has like the command of a locker room that I have not seen in a while. So he's he's yeah. doing a great job with that side. I, I there's some about being six four or two fifty, you know, the grizzly former tight end. Yeah. Yeah, just like you know, a physical blocking tight end. You know, I mean <laughs> he's awesome. I know like Sean Payton raves about him and like that's always good to hear. But I you know what I agree though, like there's some like timeout situation stuff, play calling. And you know what? We also got lucky in that we went for some gutsy fourth down calls this year that like in our own territory, like fourth and long fake punts that, you know, we're, we're game breakers that we might not swing our way next year. So the, the situational stuff, I think, is an area of improvement. But like, 
I think he can grow. I think he can get better at that. Totally. Yeah. And he's, he's a young guy. He could be the head coach of the Lions for the next 20 years, but maybe too I, early to say that, but. I would love that. I, he's, <laughs> he's just so Detroit. He's so Detroit. Yeah. yeah gritty. Yep. So we'll see. He makes me, he, he fires me up, man. I just, I love listening to like those post-game locker room situations. Like that was incredible gentlemen. You weren't it. Like he just fires me up, man. Hell yeah. You love a man that can cry. You love it. I love it. I like uh, wear your heart on your sleeve, man. I love that. So as you mm-hmm. care. Totally. Yeah, that's that's how I feel about my lines, man. They're gonna be the, the era was pointing up for once in the first yeah. time since the Patricia era and or before the Patricia era, honestly. I mean, this is in terms of like because it was all it, even with Stafford, who I think is like a really good guy. I think he's better than Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones, Sierkov, all those, but like totally. he's not he's kind of in between that that next echelon. And I, I'm the biggest Stafford guy ever. And it just like this is the first time where we're building towards something really special. My question now is like, is Jared Goff going to be a part of that? You know, is, mm-hmm. is, that our, is our ceiling with Jared Goff? I don't know. Yeah, it's like a unique situation because Stafford, you always had the quarterback, but you never had the team around him. And I mean, once Stafford got the team around him with the Rams, you won a Super Bowl. Right. And now the case is you have a good roster, like or an, an up and coming roster, a young roster that you're going to be able to supplement with free agency in the draft. But is golf the guy? Are you going to go a young dude? I mean, golf played really well, and he's shown that he can make it to a Super Bowl before. But I mean, he's Jared Goff. Like <laughs> he's Jared Goff. Yeah, I don't know. And like, and the crazy thing is, like, you know, we're so fortunate with this pick this year. We're not going to get a pick like because you know, hopefully, we're going to be too good. So we're not going to be able to get a, you know top end of the draft kind of guy. I don't know if we're a free agent destination for a you know a, a free agent like if a Derek Carr kind of guy shows up. Is is that a that big of an improvement over golf. So like it's, it's sticky. It's so tough being in like such a good situation, but knowing like, you know, how far can you take it? So, yeah. Yeah. Trade up for Caleb Williams next year. <laughs> hey, dude, I would trade. I would trade every <laughs> single thing. We have on the for that guy. He is sick. Yeah, he is. He's yeah. He's, he's great. Best since Trevor Lawrence in prospect terms. Yeah. He's sweet, man. And uh, like, I remember I, I saw Sh- Sean Payton quote where it was like, mm-hmm. That's the kind of guy that like brings NBA tanking to the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. so. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> That's all I got. Any, you got anything else? I don't know. I, thanks so much for having me on, man. I've been listening to all the episodes before this, and it's been. Oh. I love to see you doing this stuff on your gap year. It's so great to see and. Yeah, I love talking Giants whenever I'm talking NFL. So, <laughs> so this was all obviously terrific. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate the, the the viewership of you know the other episodes, and I mean this was awesome. This like I, you know talk about like expertise on the subject. I mean, I mean <laughs> listen, man, it's not every day you get guys who could just start like listing off linebackers. I'm gonna be honest. Hey, um, have me back on before the draft. That's oh, that's when you'll really hear me ramble forever. Listen, man. I, I'm going to have to hold you to that because we need- <laughs> here we go. You're going to get all top 10 picks, right? That's my prediction, but we'll see. This was yeah, awesome. Thanks dude. man. Yeah. You're awesome. And I appreciate it. And, uh, and you know, best of luck this semester. Appreciate it, man. You too. Best of luck in those med school search. We'll see you, man. <laughs> I'll keep you posting on updates and, uh, and yeah, for those, who, you know, the listeners, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time. Yeah. See you listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs>